Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you and hosted by our friends at BetBright. Thanks very much to them. We've got a very special first edition of the Race Hour podcast. Jessica Harrington took some time to join us and talk about the RIP Moscow Flyer who died at the age of 22 years old. A remarkable chaser. In the studio we have myself, Dean Ryan and Dermot Nolan, of course, of the Race Hour. Many of you will be very familiar with himself. Dermot, how are you? I'm all good, Dean. How are you? I'm doing really well, actually, enjoying the uh, the idea of going through the National Hunt season with your very good self and uh, hopefully pointing people in the way of a few winners. But the idea of the race hour is that they do that for us. Hopefully they'll do exactly that. Looking forward to hearing as well from Jessica Harrington a little bit later on. A couple of uh, big, big guns have been out already this winter, Dermo. Maybe we should start off by talking about them. Yeah. I mean, you can only start with Tisselcrack. Uh, Tisselcrack was outstanding, wasn't he? Um, he? He jumped really well, and I really enjoyed what... Uh, what Tom Scudamore did in that he really tried to get a horse to jump up alongside him and he just couldn't get it. Uh, I thought Tisselcrack looked more like a season chaser than a first time out chaser and I came out with a tweet afterwards saying that 4-1, 5-1 was an absolute disgrace of a price for a gold cup but do you know when you look at the field he's he is he's a 4 or 5-1 to one shot considering he's the only one I see in that field that's actually could be the, the superstar of the rank when you look at the fact that Vator is 8-1 to one. I don't think uh, Rich Richie will be too happy with me saying this but I don't think he'll stay within a, a month of Sundays or of, of 3 miles 3 Don Cossack then is also 8 or 9-1 to one, and again you're questioning I adore that horse as you know Dean but uh, you'd be questioning him coming back after a gold cup and then the rest of the field is a much of muchness really for me Bar Cunnigree and again he's coming back from an injury so it's very hard to see Tisselcrack at four or five to one could be value. I think he, uh, I wouldn't back it now. Having said that, but he just looked very, very good. He's a potential superstar, but we'll have to see now when he comes up against some of the proper horses. And my favorite performance so far for the jump season has to be Identity Thief. Um, I thought he jumped so well. I'd love to know what Henry de Bromhead does with his chasers. They just jump absolutely superbly, and even when he made a mistake, Dean he. He corrected himself mid-air, you know, he just looked like an absolute natural chaser. He's a horse with a hurdle mark of 159, he's got the highest hurdle mark of that Arkle field and I think identity a 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 is the better of the whole better the year if he goes down that division. Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't a little bit shorter before his chase debut, Identity Thief. He's a very highly rated hurdler. He's a natural, it seems, already over fences. And with Henry de Bromhead, you know they're going to jump well. He's got a history of just making horses that do exactly what they should do in, in fence races. So I'm very impressed with Identity Thief. And Thistlecrack, I thought he did no more than you could expect him to do. Whether... I mean, you suggest it might be value. I don't think he's value. I think he's that he's maybe the right price. He's certainly the right favourite for the Gold Cup as it stands, and it's a really exciting season for the Tizards coming up. And I definitely used too rash a term there. Value is not. I think the right term. But I think you corrected yourself. He's value, but I wouldn't back him. Yeah, 
He's the right price team. <laughs> He's the right favourite, that's for sure. Yeah. Really exciting to have him and uh, not mess around as well because when you think about his age, that's important that they, they're going to take on the big guns first season. They've got really no choice. You don't want to be doing it second season, leave a Gold Cup behind, especially with the Gold Cup as it is this year. And you went through a few of the main uh, contenders there, either coming back from injury or have doubts about them. There isn't another standout, I don't think. There's a few waiting in the wings to be around for the following season, though. So this is this will this will cracks here. Don't say that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Savannah wins the Gold Cup team. You heard it here first. Wow, only on your PlayStation. <laughs> I think that's going to happen in reality, but we do wish them all the very best with that. Um, yeah, so I've enjoyed seeing a couple of the big guns that are coming out. There's more to come, of course. We'll have a chat about the weekend racing as well uh, after we have heard from Jessica Harrington talking about Moscow Flyer, and it was a real pleasure to catch up with her. Introducing Genius, BetBright's newest product that allows you to choose your bets. Genius will give you the ability to select from trends, like winner last time out, course winners, distance winners, and many, many more. When you're done narrowing the field with Genius, you'll know exactly what you fancy. Genius by BetBright. Simply smarter betting. Well, I'm joined by Jess Carrington. Jesse, thanks for coming on the Race Hour podcast. Of course, it's been, a, well, I guess, a difficult week in some ways, but a week of remembering the great horse that was Moscow Flyer, sadly died at the age of 22, down at the National Stud, a horse of a lifetime, you described him. Yes, he was a horse of a lifetime. You know, he, he just was so amazing. He used to come out, win races. Um, every time he turned up, he, you knew he was going to most likely win. And, you know, it was only when he retired you realised um, what he actually did. Um, and, you know, that that's what is so amazing. And I suppose now the thing is, since, since he has retired, um, that you know, we're looking back on his career, and you know, I in the in the um, intervening what ten years since he retired, uh, one forgets how good he was. He was a remarkable horse. He he managed, I think, once you picked him up. What did he cost, Jesse? Seventeen thousand guineas, something like that. Yeah, seventeen thousand is what he cost. And was he bought by Johnny? Did Johnny pick him up in the sales? Yeah, Johnny and I, we both, we, we, we were at the sales together. Johnny found him, mm-hmm. uh, sent me down to look at him, and then we went back and looked again. You know, the usual thing. And and um, we were slightly at the end of our tether because we have a, had an order to buy a horse for Brown Carney, who I at that stage I had never even met. I'd, I'd met his son. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, we were getting towards the end of the derby sale, and, and we hadn't been able to buy one within the sort of budget um, and and then he came up and we uh, and we bought him for 17. I heard Eamon Lee I think on At The Races of course a, a big member of your yard at Commonstown say that he was bought as a three mile chaser. Yeah we well, looking at his pedigree uh, you know we, we actually thought that he'd easily get three miles um, and we were slightly surprised when um, you know, we, we they realised looking, looking back and hindsight is always wonderful. Uh, but um, on, on looking back on it, that he actually the reason why he never won a bumper was because he actually didn't stay two miles on the flat. That's remarkable, isn't it? I was going to ask you, were any alarm bells ringing when I think he had four bumper starts and didn't pick one up? You were you surprised at the time? Well, I was a little bit sort of. I was actually a little bit anxious because. You know, we we bought him, you know, and hoped that he would be was going to be a good horse. And all of a sudden, we were struggling to win a bumper. Um, and um, you know, so we were, we were slightly sort of puzzled. 
Um, and of course, when you look back on it, you, you, you can see the total reason why he didn't. And at, at one stage, in his last bumper he ran in, which was in May at Navan, just before he went out for summer's grass, um, I actually ran him in a two and a half mile bumper, thinking all he did was stay. And really, probably I needed a three mile bumper for him getting to win. <laughs> how, how wrong was I? Yeah, massively so. But why? Well, he really repaid everyone's uh, faith in him, didn't he, in the end? And once, once he did take over hurdles, he was pretty unstoppable. Once he hit fences, he was absolutely unstoppable. I think when he first went over hurdles, I think when he, when he started winning, he went and won the Royal Bond. Only a forerunner affair at Fairy House. But I think the horse that was second stage affair was second to Isterbrack in a, in a Leopardstown champion after that. You knew what you had then. Yeah, we knew what we had. And then I was in, you know, like like the horses are, they're, they're great levelers for you. And um, he was all going fine. And, you know, Brian's big ambition was really, you know, let's try and get to Cheltenham. Um, and we were all lined up to go to, you know, thinking, all right, go, we'll go to Cheltenham. Um, and, you know, that'll be great. And uh, so I said, look, if we're going to try and aim it at Cheltenham, he, he's had three wins this side of Christmas. We'll, we'll give him to give him one run and then go to Cheltenham. And at that stage, you know, it shows how much I knew. Uh, we were very much leaning towards the two mile five at Cheltenham rather than the supreme novices. Yeah. Um, but in the middle, in the middle of, I ran him in a schooling race in the middle of January, end of January, and he came back and he was lame, and we discovered that he had a hairline fracture in his pelvis, so we had to stand in for. Oh, it was about uh, six weeks he stood in for, and then we started training again. And I said, right, fine, we'll 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 get him to Fairy House and Punchestown, and. Um, I did. I got him to Fairy House, and um, again, I, w- I ran him over uh, two and a half miles, thinking that's his trip. Um, and um, anyway, he completely he lost the plot in the parade ring and he <laughs> boiled over. He was so excited about having getting out again, having you know not raced for probably the best part of five months. Um, anyway, he got beaten. He finished third, I think. Mm. Uh, so anyway. Eamon and I had a little discussion and we both reckoned that we A, didn't have him fit enough and um, and B, that, you know, really we should, uh, we, th- we thought then well maybe he he is only a, a two and a half mile horse and so we we, we ran him in Punchestown in the, the, the two mile novice and he took on Sal Salita Bay who'd won the supreme novices at Cheltenham and he absolutely trounced them by, I think, 10 lengths. It was on, well, probably one of his biggest winning margins. Um, and, and that's how he ended up his, his novice career. Finish and we did then think we had a very good horse. Very much so. Uh, he had a year um, uh, over hurdles because him and um, Isterbrack took each other on three times. And the first time they took them on, uh, each other on in the Irish champion hurdle, um, Moscow Flyer fell at the second last and Isterbrack won. Um, no, sorry, that was at uh, yeah, that, uh, no, that was at the um, sorry, that was at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the Irish Champion Hurdle again at back at Leopardstown, and Isterbrack fell at the last, and Moscow won. Um, and then we went, we were back in Leopardstown again because punch. Well, then um, Cheltenham didn't happen yeah. because of the foot and mouth. And we were then back in punch in 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 um, Leopardstown for because it was no Punchestown that year 
for the Irish Shell Champion hurdle. Right. And I, then again that time, uh, Mr. Rack fell at the last and Moscow won. So it was a sort of a bittersweet thing that, you know, that, you know, they met three times and they never actually fought out a finish. That's remarkable, isn't it? Because it, as well yeah. as if, if Mr. Brack hadn't have been around, Moscow would have been leading the way there anyway. And to never duel out a finish is pretty remarkable. And then it was Fences, Jesse, and well, I think yeah. over but, a period of time, you know, gone. Uh, no, really, the thing was that what happened because we never went to Cheltenham, and you know, if he had won the champion hurdle, say beating Mr. Brad, he'd have never gone. He'd never gone chasing. You would have kept so him to hurdles of, at know, that point. I, I would have kept him to hurdles, but when when you know we got to the, that, the end of that year and he'd have won, and 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 I just I I said to Brian, I said, you know, we bought him as a chaser, and uh, let's go chasing. But if it doesn't work out, we can always switch back by Christmas and go back to hurdling and and so we duly went chasing and we, we I introduced him at fairy house and um, what does he do at the fourth last he thinks he could walk on water and suddenly realized he was stood off far too far and he wasn't going to make the other side and he takes a pretty heavy horrendous fall you know but anyway luckily he didn't kill himself and he lived to fight another day, and then, then, then he just took to it like a duck to water, even though that he had, um, in the Irish Arkle, he's down as falling, but actually what happened was he, he it was very, very wet that day. Barry had broken his wrist, so he couldn't ride him, so Paul Maloney rode him, and he jumped the fence perfectly, and then the, he just tobogganed for about 50 yards on the ground and eventually turned over, uh, and he was just glittering on the ground. Uh, and that was actually all that happened. But those were the only twice that he actually technically fell. The other ones were rather spectacular unseats. But his record was un- unbelievable. 25 races and only five defeats. All of them when he didn't complete over fences until he bumped into Rathgar Bow very late on in his career. Some of the, the great races that he won. I think everyone talks about the Tingle Creek, Jesse, in 2004. Um, with Isaiah Toop and World Chief. I'm sure many people have been asking you about that this week and what you remember of the day. Was it as nerve-wracking as it might have appeared going into a race like that? Well, it was the most amazing race because we'd... Be, we'd, uh, we'd but it sort of had a bit of history behind it because um, we'd... Um, he'd, he'd the, the, the year before, he'd beaten Isaiah Toop. And Paul Nichols had said, oh, Azertiop, he hadn't been able to get a... Or he had a he, he'd put, uh, given him a run, but he'd fallen at the first um, in, in Exeter, and therefore he probably wasn't as wound up as he should. And then, and then he'd, be, he'd beaten us in um, Cheltenham when Moscow made one of his most spectacular exits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyway, so we, well, there was a lot of sort of, uh, probably a little bit of needle, probably slightly hyped up by the press and everything else. And so anyway, we, um, you know, we went there on the back of a very good uh, run. We won the Ford Trier at Navan, and we were all guns blazing. Everyone was saying that, oh, no, Moscow was getting old, and um, Azertit was the young pretender. Well, he was he was the champion chaser then. Um, and Wellchief had won the Arkle the year before. So, you know, there was a, it was, was going to be a pretty high-class race. Um, but anyway, we went into it very confident. We had a, we basically had a, a, a game plan, uh, which was, you know, take it up and have, have Barry sort of basically to have a few look rounds, 
give out send out stress signals that maybe he he wasn't um, he wasn't going as well as he thought it you know a, rem a remarkable like a remarkable um, idea when you've got those two guns behind you to do that but it worked a treat didn't it because once they start coming Moscow loved it loved a bit of a battle when they did come did he idle a little bit in front and so that was that was why he got Barry to just make sure they were coming up sides yes because when he when he actually was in front he always was very idle very very idle and so um, you know uh, he when he had something on his heels he always went on again and that was really the sort of the whole plan and Barry well um, committed to that plan didn't he and delivered it and he delivered, and it was fantastic. And he went on, you know. After that, uh, he I think he won at Christmas, and he had I think he went straight then to Cheltenham, and he won there. And you know, he he regained his crown, um, but also then went to Aintree, um, and um, uh, and also you know won there. So he had a fantastic year that year. He did, and I think that was one of the best two mile divisions in terms of competition for. Well, probably that we've seen since then. I can't think of the likes of Sprinter Sacker and stuff. They don't have the same competition around them, although there are some very good horses around. That was a bit of a golden generation. Well, I sort of always thought it was a golden generation, but anyway, I'd be I'd be very biased. You're entitled to be, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you are entitled to be. Uh, but he was, you know, he just was. He had the most, and he was amazing. He was a tremendous character because I used to ride him when I was allowed to ride him, and Eamon. I rode him out for years as well, and um, you know he he just was a great character. Uh, he had his own way. He went out in the field every day, but if it was wet or snowing, he'd say no, I'm not going out there, and and, and refused to go out to the field. He'd go back. He'd walk back to his box instead. Um, he was a terrific character, and even they all said that even at the national stud where he spent his final days, they said he was a great character there. They said you know. Apparently, when um, Hurricane Fly arrived, um, he squared up to him and gave him a couple of belts, uh, as if to say, "You might think you're good, but hang on, I'm still the boss around here." Well, good for him, and some—it's um, a great way actually for the horse to have been retired there. The likes of Kicking King, I think Hardy Eustace was down there before Salmon. Yeah, uh, they'd have some stories yeah. to swap, wouldn't they, in that paddock? Oh, they would indeed. They'd have a lot, a lot of stories to, uh, a lot of stories to stop. They really would. I wanted to, um, in his last race was at Cheltenham in New Mills Champion Chase, I think 2006. It was an easy decision to make to retire him after that spin. He didn't win. I think he well, finished fifth that I'd year. Well, I always said, uh, I think I'd had a bit of a virus in the yard all winter and he wasn't firing. And I'd always said that I wasn't going to go on running him and running him down the field and everything, you know, everything else. So, um, we, we, you know, it was a decision. It was a decision that we we we, we made, and and I didn't regret it um, uh, at all. We must remember you did get a final send off the last race of the Punchestown Festival in two thousand and seven, and one Katie Harrington aboard at eighteen years old in a two mile charity race. Absolutely romped home. Yeah, he did, and that had been a funny thing because we'd always said, you know, um, you know, God. What, what, uh, you know, uh, we, we'd had a laugh when because Kate was growing up when he was racing, and we'd always said, "Oh well, when he retires, you can ride him in the, the charity race." But we sort of always just sort of um, said, uh, "Well, you know that that you know that's great." And at Christmas, it sounded a terrific idea. Uh, but the nearer it got to the race and the publicity that went on, 
and everything, suddenly I thought, oh, jeepers, what, what, what have I let myself into? What if he doesn't win? What if he jumps her at the start or runs away with her? Or I, I had a thousand reasons why he wouldn't do it. And I tell you, I was, no one was more relieved when he passed that uh, winning post in front and Kate's still on board, I tell you. Um, and it was great because I think there were grown men crying. I bet. I bet. Uh, a great way to send him off. And, and maybe he got his bumper in the end, Jesse. Yeah, maybe he did get his bumper in the end when he was much stronger and older. <laughs> if you could do it in reverse, that was a good starting point for him. But a fantastic horse. Uh, you probably never get one like him again, Jesse, will you? Uh, he's a horse in a lifetime for me. Yeah. He really is. You know, definitely a horse in a lifetime. But, you know, there we are. Um, uh, and, you know, it's, you know the, 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 the era has come to an end. The cycle has turned and... You know, and it's, I've got some very, very good memories. I bet you have, and so have many, many racing fans. A horse that we all wanted to talk about this week, of course, was was the great Moscow Flyer. Jesse, thanks for coming on. I might ask you two more questions about, um, is there is there anything in the yard that we should keep an eye out for for the coming season? You've got a young Moscow Flyer lurking in there somewhere, maybe not a horse of a lifetime. Oh, I something. don't know. I'd love to think I have. Um, maybe I have. I don't know. I've got some, I've got some very nice horses. Um, and we'll just have to see how they come on. You know, I've got some nice bumper horses last year that won, yeah. and they're going on over hurdles this year. We've got Sunny May and a nice horse called Someday. You know, they're 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 four year they're four and five year they're five year olds that you know which could go in the right direction. The dream starts now with those types, doesn't it? And Je- and Jeski, how is Jeski getting on? He's in good form. Yeah, he's back here, and he's going to go down the three mile hurdle route. So it'll be probably very competitive as it always is, but we'll see how it gets on. Well, we wish you all the very best. Thanks for spending some time with us on the race hour, Jesse. Real pleasure to talk to you. And uh, well, RIP Moscow Fly, one of the greats. Thank you very much. Well, Dermot, I think you'll agree that catching up there with Jessica Harrington um, was pretty special. She spent quite a bit of time there going through some of the good memories and, and a few that would kind of make you think that only since Moscow has passed and it's very raw still that. She only just realising what a serious horse she had. He was a remarkable beast, unbeaten over fences when he completed until he bumped into Rafgar Bowen in, 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 in a race in the latter stages of career. And he actually, that looked to me like a dead heat. So it was just a brilliant, brilliant horse. And to hear her talk about it the way she did, like one of the family demo. That's it exactly. And he made so many people's careers. I mean, he made Barry Gerty's career really, didn't he? And he, uh, he was a very special horse. They were very lucky to have him. And... I think we, the Irish public, were very lucky as well to have a horse of that class. And he really did win uh, champion chases and Tinkle Creeks when it was probably the division was at its very best, as you said before, Dean. Yeah, I mean, I said that to Jessie and, and she said she was biased and she's entitled to be because she had the leader of the pack at the time. But you look at Azertio, I think Senkus was around then, flagship Uberales, you've got Well Chief. They were some cracking, you know, all guns blazing two-mile chases. And where you see some frailties in the ones that are around at the moment, and Sprint Sacra apart, very special horse, but I think probably any one of those ones I just mentioned uh, would have been superstars in this current day and age. So that was a, it was a remarkable time for two-mile chasing division. And like all superstars, what I love to see in that, and maybe maybe the owners don't, the connections don't, but vulnerability in a star yeah. is what appeals to the public, yeah. I think. Yeah. To look at Spinter Sacker last year. I mean, everybody was nearly crying when he came back in the in the slower chase at Cheltenham. It, it is. It's a flaw on a horse. Is what people adore. You know, 
Hurricane Fly as well had a similar feature and that you know he seemed very narky and everything and that seemed to really endear himself to people for some reason and the same with him I mean his falls were spectacular and or sorry his own seats were spectacular when he did them and people love that uh, people love a horse that's bowed up and down really don't they yeah they do they do they have to you have to have some kind of storyline apart from just mechanical smashing of the rivals um, and Moscow gave you that Moscow gave uh, many many racing fans many hopefully listening to this and associated who interact with the race hour would would have him in their top five horses certainly being mine and a uh, pleasure to meet him a couple of times and that sounds weird when you're talking about a horse but he had character <laughs> he did he had yeah. more than me yeah, and more than me as well I'd imagine Dean. that's not difficult <laughs> we should um, we should reference of course that in the last race hour Dem, I think you asked for some of the followers to give you their five for the season before we reference some of those maybe you throw us through some of yours yeah absolutely perfect uh, so the first horse I'm looking forward to I'm really looking forward to this horse is Robert Tyner's Gertine uh, all the way through his career last year all uh, all Robert Tyner talked about was how he's going to be a much better horses over fences and he was second to in first time out and I argued on Twitter directly after that race that I thought he could have been closer it's impossible to say whether he would have beaten Min. I really don't think he would have, but he came along cruising, hit the second lap, and never quite got back into it. He then absolutely slammed some neck in a bumper at Christmas at Leperstown. Some neck was well back that day for Willie Mullins. And after that then, he beat the plodding shed very easily over maiden hurdles. And basically, that horse has come out afterwards and has won very easily of 138 this year. He looks very, very good, Dean. I mean... He flopped last time against Sutton Place, but there was excuses afterwards. He was injured, and uh, he comes back this year over fences. All the vibes I'm hearing is that he's schooling very, very well, and I think he really could be one. It'd be good for uh, connections as well down at the tiny yard to have a, a proper one. Yeah, and they deserve it because the other one then is Jenkins with Nicky Henderson, who was uh, who was second in the Land Rover bumper, and poor old Robert Tyner actually lost the winner of that during the summer, Cordell Leon, who. You have to, your heart has to break for Robert Tyner because Cordell Leon looked very, very special. He gunned down Jenkins late, but I actually think Jenkins was given maybe a questionable ride by Patrick Mullins that day. He could be something special. Identity Thief has to make my list as well. I think he is the article winner. It came to pass for Jim Cullity as well, who was going oh so well in the Fox Hunters chase at Cheltenham before he came down. And I think Jim Cullity could have another good one. And he is a half brother to Lord Windermere. God bless him. And then my last horse as well is uh, another Robert Tyner runner, and that's Blastic Coleman Dean. I like Blastic Coleman's of a lovely horse. No doubt about that. That's one's got a future. So you referenced a couple there from the Tiny Yard. Hopefully he is going to have a good year. It's such a shame to lose a good one uh, like he did with Coeur de Leon. So that's five from you, Dermo. Some of the, the um, followers of the race out put up a few, and a couple that appeared more than once were likes of Disco. Uh, that's a horse down at Noel Meads that I think was featured recently in the Racing Post. Looks like that one could be a nice horse demo. Yeah, d- definitely. And uh, Chris Reed upstairs is a massive fan of his as well, Dean. Um, I think he's a quality horse. Uh, maybe didn't do it over hurdles like he should have, but uh, but Noel Mead always loved him, never lost faith in him. And I really liked him on his debut as well as that, Dean. I love the fact that he absolutely thumped one and still corrected himself there afterwards and won quite well. I think when a horse. Uh, hits a fence on his first start it can it can brighten them up a bit can't it yeah it can do you i mean we were only talking to jesse just before and she's saying that moscow took an absolutely horrendous fall and it didn't do him any damage 
yeah, it just seems to make them smarter. I mean, look at Undis and I know he did it again thereafter, but that day at Turles when he was running away with himself, that fall kind of made a man a man of him that year. Um, he just kind of slowed himself down and matured a bit as the year went on. That's what he really needed to do. And a fall mightn't be the worst thing in the world, but definitely a good mistake and where they finished the race afterwards. And Disco could just be very smart. Yeah, good mistake in the right company. Never yeah. does you any harm. I will give a few shout-outs here. Ali, who is Dawn Approach 2KG on Twitter, goes for Bells Hill, Death Duty. Timmy Rolly, who I don't know a lot about, Invitation Only and Queen Odessa. Uh, Michael Luby, often a regular on the race hour, put Disco in his list. Uh, Petty Mouchoir, Castello Sforza, um, Ashturia and Judgment Day. Uh, big shout-out to Jamie Brownlow. His five horses to follow were Robbie Rowe, Bristol Demai, who's a Kraken horse engaged this weekend as well. Out to your Captain Woody and you know what I mean Harry another one engaged this weekend big weekend for you then Jamie uh, Dean Walker regular of course on the race hour Tycoon Prince Campiador could be a very exciting horse uh, Balthazar Dallier that was a big big point a point horse who's now making its way under rules Shiriko Vallis uh, Munchen Gladbach just give me that one so it's difficult to pronounce Dean thanks very much Manamite uh, Kennelly how many has he gone for here Monbeg Worldwide about 75 horses there to follow is that Dean is it yeah Dean doesn't mess about he's not happy with five he's got more in there Jordan S uh, that's Shooks 014 on Twitter uh, O Petit Soin uh, Capitan Val de Lord, Bristol the My featuring again and York Hill now we're all looking forward to York Hill of course coming back so no surprise to see that pop up in a few of the lists and my favourite one Demo Denise C who's Cheeky Monkey 711 any five from the Tizard Yard now that's how you do it that's a it's quite a bullish call because I think old Tizard has quite a tough job in his hand Bart Tizard cracking a cue card obviously but he's a hard job improving those pot sources this year doesn't he he might do. I think one shot its mark. Just decisive platinum last week. Absolutely blew a load last week, didn't he? Yeah, whoops. He, whoops. he absolute. Oh, just he ran such a brilliant race. Yeah. But he bumped into Fox Norton off a mark of one hundred and forty-six, wasn't it? And he just absolutely blew his mark. It's just hilarious. Let's hope the Andy Capo was just taking a little break at the time when that was going on and uh, won't keep an eye. But it's nice though when you do pick up some good horses that they come and do something first him up. It's just unfortunately the box bump into an absolute special one in Fox Norton who could go anywhere at once let's talk about the weekend's racing demo because um, I think you picked out a few races you wanted to uh, reference got Weatherby and Ascot of course feature of the Saturday yeah absolutely perfect yeah, the OLBG.com mayor's hurdle over two miles at Weatherby I thought Stephanie Francis has to be the one for this race I really fancied her two years back for the Galway hurdle she actually ran a blinder that day in eight uh, Thomas Edison fell just in front of her she was also eight in the mayor's hurdle last year behind Vroom Vroom Mag she just for me is the best form Skelton Yard is an absolutely brilliant brilliant form and Stephanie Francis whatever her price I will be backing her uh, then in the you've got to allow me to give you an alternative demo you can't just rattle through them all just you know demo knows all the winners I find your opinion invalidating so I, I, I just tend to roll on <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't expect that. But that that, that two ten uh, is the race you're talking about. Whether it be the Jefferson Yards, absolutely motoring. Now you referenced the Skelton Horse. It's going to go off favourite Stephanie Francis, I would imagine. But keep an eye out for Card Game. Certainly entitled uh, to be in this race at this level. Drops back and trip. Um, I think it's a decent alternative to that one. They did finish second to a Skelton Horse, Eagle Royale, last time out. I think it was a market raise, and so Skelton should know what he's up against. Um, but I think it's interesting I think card game would be the one for me there I, you know, I don't like backing favourites and I'm assuming you're on that favourite so let's uh, we can move on to the next race but I'll give you an alternative it's card game absolutely perfect and I was saying then for the 2.45 uh, 
a Weatherby, the old West Yorkshire Hurdle. This race looked like it was going to be superb, but it does look now like uh, Safford Roo is going to Ascot, Dean, does it? Yeah, it does. It was. Um, I, I did see the release come out about it going the Tidal Bay route, and that meant Weatherby, but uh, the, the murmurs now, it looks like it's well-backed as well, around 5-1 to one favourite for the big race at Ascot on Saturday. So you're going to have to look at the race without that one. It's still a very good field. Um, yeah. I actually really like it. Um, Oscar Rock was an outsider as well that I quite... I thought it would run well, but I thought that it was between Ballyoptic and you know what I mean, Harry. Ballyoptic was actually very good over two mile three last time at Chepstow. Uh, ran like a chaser over too short a trip, but uh, would look for ran very, very well. And you know what I mean, Harry is the one I'll be backing in this. He was unbeaten all last year. He's won over the distance. He's an absolutely smashing horse. And I think his um, Albert Bartlett run should stand to him this season going forward and he'd be my dark outsider as well for the old world hurdle and I think he's um he should be hard to beat in this at four to one for me Dean. Yeah, not a bad price actually for him. I'm gonna give you an alternative. Oscar Rock is a twenty five to one chance. I reference that Jefferson form, six winners, three seconds and two unplaced since the middle of the month. And uh, that's all his runners since the thirteenth of October. Oscar Rock He's a classy individual. He's not rated anything like some of these in here, but that's yeah. why he's 25 to 1. So I'm thinking if there's a, a, at least a dead eight going the post for that. He's second to Bally Alton, second to Sausalito Sunrise. There's more in the tank there. He's a bit of a failed chaser, but I think he'll still do better over fences as well. So he might have beaten Top Gamble, you might remember, but for a fall over oh, fences. Yeah. So uh, 25 to 1, they're the kind of Brits I like to have at the weekend. And these early season form as well it can be all over the place at times as well, can't it? So well, also if it loses, I can just say, well, he was twenty-five to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be putting myself under bigger pressure. Dean, I cannot see Q Card beaten in that Charlie Hall chase. Can you? No, very difficult to uh, make a case. You can't make a case that he's too old, really. You can't make a case that. Uh, his jumping is, is frail he, he ran away with the race last year he seemed to be massively improved last year I had him down as a, a non-stayer I think he yeah. proved that to be incorrect but possibly know. just his wind was the difference there and so I'm going to hold on to that excuse as getting that one wrong um, maybe South Salito Sunrise to, to hit a place is a betting angle in the race I think Q-Card's going to go off probably even shorter than 6-4 to four on because you'd want your head checked if you're backing Menorah or Dinas at 7-1 to one really wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you, you're just playing for places. I think if, if Q card turns up as you would expect him to do, so yeah, it's the Charlie. I'm, I'm delighted to see Black line as well. Obviously, has a big chance. I think he's going to need a run. I, I just get the impression he always does, doesn't he? Last yeah. year, Chepstow as well, wasn't he? He was four yeah. for he was four to seven last year, and he just looked. Although, in fairness to the horse, that was his debut over fences, and he did hit an awful lot of them. Um, but he went. He's won once fresh Black Lion. Uh, he was a nine to four on favourite at Perth. Yeah. In a god awful race, and it's not easy to uh, recommend him off the back of that. We know Q card goes fresh. I think it's a race to uh, grab a cup of tea and just watch. I think. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to. It. I, mean, I might, if I see silly price about Sarsley at sunrise, I might have that one to to fill a spot. But the Charlie or looks Q cards, all right. We're just betting without or something, is it? Possibly so. We'll see what's uh, what's around. That's the only horse I'd take him on with. Uh, I'm happy to watch it, really. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then the old uh, Sodexo Gold Cup at Ascot at uh, 3.35 2 miles and 7 furlongs a horse Dean I think you've liked before uh, Southfield Theatre is one I quite enjoy uh, yeah, watching crack. always um, had a bad year last year I didn't think he looked right all year he came back and finished fourth then at the end of it all in the Bet365 Gold Cup behind um, behind the young master who he reposes against there's actually 
a five pound swing now. He gets in here of 147, and I actually thought that that could be enough to really give him a big chance in this. He's a smashing horse. If he's back to 100%, he finished second at the Cheltenham Festival before in an RSA chase, so the distance won't be any problem whatsoever. And I think if they get him back into a good rhythm, I think he'll beat Safford Aru. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite excited to see Safford Daru back over fences. Really, I think he's really overrated. Yeah, well, you know, that's the opinions are going are gonna to be put to the test in this contest. <laughs> yeah. Because if Nichols thinks he's jumping well enough and that's where they're going to go, then he's an exciting addition to the, well, re-addition to the chasing ranks. And I think he's been well back now just on the news that he's, he's going to go there. So around 5-1 to favourite, I think. But if you look at the winners of this, Pendra last year, I think What a Warrior the year before, Hublon de Zobo and Roberta Goldback. That's just going back a few years. Goldback, what a horse. Yeah, there's a, there's a name that I think will sit quite well amongst those, and that's Hadrian's approach. He ran in that bet 365, also won it, um, I think 2014, off a, off a £5 higher mark than this. And do you know what? I, think, I thought he ran well in the bet 365 yeah. at the end of last season. He fell at the first in the Grand National. He's a type of horse off 141 that Nicky Henderson will come out after the race and say, you know, I've really messed up his mark now. Yeah. And uh, I think if you're going to look at the Hendo horses, Triola de Lens already booked up with Jerry McGrath, so it's probably go, go, Nico aboard Hadrian approach. If he jumps well, I've, I've put him in the mix off 141, but Safir de Rowe is the is the interesting and the sexy one at the top. So There's another one to mention as well, I think, is a good skin of, uh, of Tom George's. Agent Heskin has has joined Tom George, as we all know. I think he's been brilliant this year so far. And, he's um, had a good start. Yeah, I think, yeah, he really has. He he rode uh, a Rooney horse one day um, at Sedgefield. If you look at, uh, at the races, they have the video up on it on their Twitter page. He just gave him such a smart ride. The horse just looked all all in trouble but he just eased him up to the front to win I think he's a really smart jockey he's he's won the Bet365 Gold Cup before he's he's a real class act and he's finally getting his chance and I thought a good skin was brilliant at the Persian War meeting in third kind of hit a flat spot halfway and stayed on very well to finish third that day and I just thought he's second he's been second in the Kim Mir they do go hard in front he could be just one of those horses to finish late and a 10 to 1 a good skin could also be a good bet in the Sodexo Gold Cup at Ascot you've covered yourself with about 25 selections in that race then so fair play to <laughs> it's always so, great to do it yeah 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 absolutely and I'll, I'll pull myself and you up on it next time round uh, cracking to chat to you great to have Jess Garrington of course on the very first Race Out podcast and thanks as well to our hosts here at Bet Bright and just one as well Dean sorry just closer to home I think Cradle Mountain in the November handicap at Leperstown. I know you love flat racing. I was trying to cut you off before the flat got involved. The flat season's over, Dermo. Go on, what's the race? Cradle Mountain in the November handicap. Uh, second in the Irish Cesar, which last time, um, only up five pounds. Joseph seems to have him in really good spirits. He'll handle any ground, and I think he's a big, big chance. I'd even make him my nap at the weekend. Cradle Mountain in the November handicap on Saturday at Leperstown. You've made me. You've made me look at the race, and uh, I'm going to offer an alternative. Alton Bay, um, I thought was interesting, and Renetti's gone up about 75 stone for a, a, a bit of a block job last time yeah. out. So um, Renetti, if it goes off top weight, interesting. Alton Bay, I think there's a good, well, maybe a place in there, a decent price for Peter Farhi's horse. So um, yeah, all right. Well, we covered a bit of flat. You'll be happy. Yeah, absolutely true. 
Moscow flyers out in front. An anxious look over his shoulder there from Barry Geraghty. He sees Ruby Walsh exuding confidence on Azertiup. This is the pond. Moscow flyer by a length and a half. Azertiup is over in second. Welchief is in third. Senkos in fourth. And now they begin to make the turn. Moscow flyer leads now by about a length. Azertiup towards the outside. Moscow flyer. A big bold jump at the second from home. He was better than Azertiup in second place. Welchief is back in third. The run now towards the final fence. Moscow flyers out in front. He leads now by a length and a half. Azertiup in second. Between rivals was Welchief. Now switching to the far side. Moscow flyers still out in front. The lead is still a length and a half. Welchief is in second. Azertiup's beat in third. Moscow flyers going to win for the 23rd time. Moscow flyer in a thriller at Sandown.